I met an anti-masker. This is exciting. Um, well, it's terrifying and it's heartbreaking and it's really, really stupid. But it's exciting because in my bubble, I feel like I deal with people who are relatively reasonable, who are somewhat well-read, uh, who consider scientific opinion, who question authority, um, and, and and are generally a little bit thoughtful. And the I've I've dealt with people a few times who are opposed to masks, but. With an argument of, I, I think they're stupid, I don't think they help, I don't like wearing one, it's too hot, I, I, I wear one if I have to, like I'll wear one at the grocery store, but I won't wear one anywhere else. And there's, there's these, these different resistances that I've come in contact with, but earlier this week, I met somebody who, I, I was filming, and I was, we were outside, and I was within six feet of them, and they weren't on camera, but they were helping operate something that we were filming. And I asked if they would put a mask on, and the individual said, uh, no, I'm an anti-masker. And I just, I didn't know what to say. I froze a little bit. And then they followed it up by saying, like, I'll stay over here. I'll sort of, like, we were in a, a somewhat confined area. Um, we were up on this platform, uh, and so we couldn't be fully, fully distanced. But he offered, like, I'll lean this way. I'll face the other way while I'm filming. And I thought that it, it was probably fine. Not not ideal. Technically against my, my guidelines and my terms of service. And technically grounds for me to have left the set and build in full for the day. But I decided not to flex that muscle and instead... Uh, was was fine with it, but I asked him like, "You're an anti-masker. Um, you won't wear a mask." And he said, "No, I I, I won't wear a mask. I I, I I won't wear a mask." And I, I I didn't say anything. And then in the pause, they continued and said, "I mean, I have one in the car, and if you need me to put it on, I will." And then I I pushed back after that and said, well, why are you, you just said you're an anti-masker and you won't wear one. And then you immediately undercut that by saying, but I have one and I will wear it if you need me to. And the, the shot was over at this point. I mean, the, the whole thing lasted 30 seconds anyway. But it was this weird thing where I haven't met someone before who takes the anti-masker thing as an identity. And, and that's the difference. I feel like when people make conclusions, c come to conclusions about what they think the virus does, uh, and typically come into these conclusions in the absence of any science, but when they say, you know, oh, I don't think they work, or I think the virus is a hoax, or whatever, for someone to call themselves an anti-masker was strange to me. That, that That would be something that you would, you know, reduce your identity to calling yourself an anti-masker, which in most places, in my experience, has a very negative connotation. It's used as as an insult almost, uh, definitely on someone's intellect, and furthermore, uh, on their ability to be courteous to others. Um, and, and saying someone is an anti-masker is a lot of times a way of saying, well, they're ignorant and rude and selfish, and they refuse to wear a mask. And 
as I spent a little bit of time considering this, I started to assume some things. And then I started to get confused, and I, and I thought myself into some circles. And so there's two other things that I, that I wanted to bring up that were frustrating to me that I sort of link to this same mindset that I'm not typically exposed to. And unfortunately, I didn't have the opportunity to spend any more time with this individual, uh, even at a distance. But I, I wanted to follow up later with some questions that I had. And I think one of the first ones would be, I assume that you're a Trump supporter. And I don't want to paint with a broad brush, and I don't want to reduce anyone to to say that, you know, if you're one way, then, then you're voting a certain way. But this seemed like a situation where it was somebody who, uh, and in addition to some other things I won't explicitly name, they seem to be checking a lot of boxes that are associated with what is presented to my bubble as a typical... Trump supporter. And I get that Trump supporters come in all shapes and sizes and colors, and there's all sorts of reasons and justifications, some more thoughtful than others, uh, for supporting uh, Trump in this election. But the way that this this individual presented himself and the, the way that he called himself an anti-masker, he seemed like someone who would embrace the, the bluntness, however correct, that Donald Trump presents. Um, but so the, the the other piece that I started to pull from that is, if the platform is law and order, and this is typically if we start to to bend this conversation into the the unfortunate headbutting of the decision between supporting our police and admitting Black Lives Matter, this notion of law and order and this narrative that I hear when I listen to arguments. Uh, and again, this all comes with the disclaimer of, I, full disclosure, I check news from three main sources. Uh, I check Fox News, I check the New York Times, and lately I've been enjoying uh, the podcast and the TV show Axios on HBO. I think that they're doing a decent job of presenting relatively unbiased information. Uh, and and that's a breath of fresh air. But with this narrative of law and order, and when there's a discussion about when a, a black person is shot by the police, they should have complied. Like, oh, they were shot in the back while walking away. Well, they wouldn't have been shot if they had listened, if they had gotten on the ground and complied. Um, and granted, we see other cases where individuals do comply, and at a certain point, they get killed anyway. And, and there's all these different pieces of, well, that, that person was doing drugs, or they had stolen a car, and so, so because of that, they deserved to be shot because they had broken the law. They should have followed the rules. And I struggle to align that narrative of law and order, follow the rules, and if you don't, then there's a chance you could get shot and we're not going to feel bad for you. We're fine giving our cops you know, just a free pass to shoot anybody that is breaking any degree of a rule. But then looking at the guidelines from this virus that are coming from government agencies and the policies, and I guess you could draw a distinction between a law and a policy about this stuff, but right now there are policies about wearing masks and, and policies about social distancing and maximum number of people allowed to gather at the same time. There's 
there's all these guidelines that are coming from the groups that we have elected to hold these offices or the people that have been appointed by the people that we elected. And for this line to be drawn to say, well, if certain people break a law, they're jaywalking, they're they're doing something, some find some excuse to harass an individual. Um, and I think that the common narrative right now is to, let's say, an unarmed black individual where they get shot, they get, you know, they're the victim of police brutality. And then we find this thing of like, well, actually, this person used to date a drug dealer, they used to live with a drug dealer. So, you know, you can't blame them for being, you know, the victim of a shooting because they had given up their, their, you know, absolute guarantee of innocence by something that they've done in the past, law and order, law and order, abide by the law, or we're going to send in the federal troops. How do you, how does one, I don't want to say how do you, I'm not attacking anyone here, but what I'm struggling with is looking at the people who are defying the mask order to say, you know, we're not going to do that. This is the government trying to, like, we're going to take our guns and we're going to go protest in front of City Hall because we want to be able to go to a bar. How is that different? How, how can you say that that's law and order if we don't want to wear a mask in, in spite of the health departments and the scientists who are researching this and our essential workers and nurses and doctors who are getting infected and dying and pleading for people to just stay six feet apart? And then you have people willfully breaking those rules and willfully putting themselves in situations where they're putting other people at risk and they're defying these guidelines and these policies and to say that that's fine that's my individual right that's that's my you know personal liberties or whatever you want to call it freedom that's america and if you take this away from us then you know it's socialism it's marxist it's communism all this these dumb arguments to say that i'm not going to wear a mask and the the justifications for that are so thin for not wearing a mask and it's the it's the tiniest thing that someone can do. It's the tiniest bit of compliance to say, yeah, when I'm outside or when I'm around people during this pandemic, I'm going to put this piece of cloth over my face so that less people die. Even if I think we found out in 10 years, like, oh, actually the masks didn't do anything. I am so eager to be someone who said like, yeah, but you know what? At the time, everyone thought they did. All the scientists thought they did. And so I complied with that because that also seemed like the tiniest personal sacrifice for the service of the general well-being of our community. And to say, I'm not going to wear a mask, and and yet everyone else needs to abide by law and order, and I don't know. It's, it's something that I'm struggling as, as I consider. Why are these things so different? Why can you say, well, somebody did something in their past, so it's okay that they're shot by police. They shouldn't have broken the law ever in their life. And and because they did, now they're they're, you know, subject to be a victim of police brutality or 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 more murder by police. But I'm going to break these rules about masks because I don't care and I'm going to I care so much about wearing a mask that I'm going to take my gun somewhere and and threaten people, uh, threaten public servants and people who are, you know, trying to 
work at City Hall and and have what job they can have right now. And now they've got to deal with G.I. Joe showing up and having a problem with the mask. And so that was something I don't have an answer to. And I I don't even I, I don't know what I would want to hear from somebody. I'm just sharing that. I was really struggling. It was the first time that I saw this sort of like, well, here's somebody who's a renegade. I don't, I'm not going to comply with the policies that are put forth by our government. But this is the type of person who I also associate with the views of law and order. We're going to justify working backwards to say it's fine that these individuals were shot by police because at one point or another, they had done something slightly wrong, maybe. And then this this takes me to my final point that I've been struggling with lately. And I was thinking about naming this episode, My Problem with Black Lives Matter. I'd go for the clickbait because I, I'm a full supporter of Black Lives Matter. But the the problem that I'm having right now, and I've shared this with a few friends, and I, I feel like this podcast is a decent place to share secrets like this because nobody's making it this far, um, that, that doesn't understand where I'm coming from. But when I walk around my neighborhood and I see the Black Lives Matter signs, I, I like that. I, I support that, and that's awesome. And then occasionally I see a Trump banner um, or support our police, our, our police and Blue Lives Matter. Uh, and my personal thought on the Blue Lives Matter thing is that a blue life, it's a job, not a life. And I get that there's you know history and stuff to, to someone's desire to to be a police officer but it's a hard job and i'm not i'm not discounting that it's a very difficult job but by that standard not everybody's cut out for it and i think this concept of bad apples if that's what we're going to say we need to have something in place to filter out the bad apples if that's going to be the justification of well these problems are just from bad apples then there really needs to be something to keep these bad apples out of the police force and it doesn't seem like there is much that's preventing that But the individual reforms aside, with this divide of sort of Black Lives Matter versus Blue Lives Matter and the the false equivalency there, but that 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 becomes the the two sides of this debate is is do we fully support our police officers and their ability to shoot and murder people who have not necessarily done anything wrong and who definitely aren't armed do we want to just support that, throw all our support there, or do we want to say Black Lives Matter? And the problem that I feel publicly sometimes is that, and even now, it's a risk in saying this, and I'm, I'm genuinely nervous to put this out there and, and, and to say you know, so publicly that I'm behind Black Lives Matter because I am, but if somebody has a Blue Lives Matter, if somebody is all Trump 2020, Blue Lives Matter, in general, the opponents, I would say, the opponents of Blue Lives Matter, the people who are for defunding the police, save for the radical examples of people who are just rioters, and I separate them from protesters, and I beg you to do the same too. But in general, the level-headed people that support defunding the police and and looking into that and 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 who support Black Lives Matter, those people are not violent towards people who are in the Blue Lives Matter camp. But the people who are in the Blue Lives Matter camp, so often the way that they're presented publicly is 
so well armed and with this idea of a militia who's going to take law and order and we support the police by bringing automatic weapons and semi-automatic weapons to public places as a demonstration of strength or something like that, that those are the people who are opponents, genuine opponents of Black Lives Matter and and the internet can quickly serve you up some examples of these people. But that right there is, I think, at the crux of my fear. And that is, I feel like if you hang a Blue Lives Matter sign in your yard, people may walk by and think like, wow, that person's kind of ignorant. And then they keep walking. As where if you hang a Black Lives Matter sign in your yard, to me, there is a, a better chance that somebody who is an opponent of Black Lives Matter would be well-armed and potentially motivated in some way to make your life difficult or, or to threaten it um, or to vandalize or, or, or something. And the way that these arguments get presented in the places where I look, and again, this is on, on Fox News and New York Times. I, I do my best to check them both equally so that I can sort of get it. I'll say it's a, it's a little bit from both sides. I don't think either one is unbiased. Um, but as I, as I, as I consider this, I'm just afraid of, I feel like there's, there's ignorance and ammunition and not in a abstract sense, but genuine that there's, there's ignorance and guns that are opposed to black lives matter. And I think it puts a target on people. And, and when you see these, these people who are showing up to the protests who are driving from other places with guns to shoot somebody like that's uh, Trevor Noah said it best, but like you don't go to another town with a semi-automatic rifle because you're trying to protect some mom or you're going there to shoot somebody. You're going there to have a confrontation. And that is not something that gets associated as readily with the majority of black lives matter supporters. And I, and I get that this is not, that all people who support Blue Lives Matter are, you know, violent, armed people. I, I'm, I'm not saying that. But I'm saying that there are more of these people on the Blue Lives Matter side of things than there are on the Black Lives Matter side of things in everything that I've read. The instances of a Blue Lives Matter protester being hunted down by people with guns, those are there are less incidents of that, less examples of that, that I can find than issues of the opposite, where, where somebody who is in favor of Black Lives Matter and police reform ends up being the target of harassment by people with guns. And so that I feel like it becomes an unfair fight, and that becomes frustrating to me because it's, diff- it's difficult to have a productive conversation with somebody whose arms are folded over a semi-automatic rifle. And the fact that that is tied so frequently and, and the, the guns rights is tied so frequently to this idea of personal liberties and, and the other conservative, generally conservative values and points of view, I think makes it difficult. And I like to consider myself somebody who's willing to have a conversation with anybody, but I'm also somebody who does not want to get shot. And there are people whose voices I would like to hear and, who, and with whom I would like to have meaningful conversations to find ways that we can all move forward together. 
But when these people have their finger on the trigger of a semi-automatic weapon, that makes me hesitant to be able to have a conversation with them. And as I make YouTube content and as, as, as I share these, these views online, it isn't unrealistic to imagine that somebody could find this and become triggered by it and make threats and stuff like that. And, and I feel like that's a very one-sided thing of that doesn't happen a lot in the other direction. And, and because of that perceived threat, which I think is a, is a tactic to a degree of saying that we're going to present with such power and masculinity that we will be that people will be afraid to approach us. I, I feel like that is an argument. I feel like that is uh, the root of a lot of the foreign policy that has shaped America for better or for worse for a long time of saying, you know, we have such a military, we have such a, an aggressive presence and we've got nukes. So don't mess with us. And that's caused strain in relationships around the world. And it's causing threats on people's lives all around the world. But I think to to shrink that down and say there's a community within America that has a certain set of opinions, and if you disagree with them, instead of having a debate on masks, instead of bringing competing science to a discussion, to a town hall, instead people are standing on the steps of City Hall with guns, it becomes very difficult to have that conversation. And so as I'm as I'm genuinely searching for that, that conversation, generally for that, not even debate, but I'm, I'm trying to find people that I can talk to to educate myself and say, not all Trump supporters are, you know, X, Y, Z. And I know this because I've talked to a few. I'm struggling to feel comfortable talking to people and reaching out to somebody who is a public, uh, who supports Trump publicly because so often that comes with these these other things that can be threatening and that, and that can be tough to listen to and can, I think we've seen, turn violent before they become productive. And that threat alone is enough where it, it makes the risk of talking to somebody not worth it. And, and as I think, like, I would love to use my podcast or my YouTube channel to have a discussion with the Trump supporter and not try to convert them, not try to convince anybody of anything, not try to say like, well, the facts that you're citing are wrong, you know, not, not trying to do gotcha journalism to anybody, but just to have the discussion and find out where someone comes from. I worry more than I do with any other group that supporters of this individual, if, if at all the discussion came off as me criticizing them, that their supporters could see that video and quickly with the tools that they have available to themselves digitally to share and, and organize, suddenly there could be threats and it becomes this, you know, Sean was humiliating this person and, you know, not giving them a fair chance and this, you know, liberal snowflake idiot lets, you know, coordinate to send death threats and all this stuff. Like, that's, that's frustrating and scary and, and just common enough that it's not hard to imagine and therefore it makes me hesitant to go down that path. And so that that's where I am right now. So it was it was 
interesting to be next to an anti-masker yesterday and have the briefest of conversations and say, why do you feel that? And, and then wonder why they voluntarily backed down so quickly and sort of doing my best to extrapolate what other things I could. And I, I, I wish I could have that follow-up conversation and I wish I could share those findings with other people, but I'm just genuinely scared that by entering the conversation that is so polarized, it could end up putting myself and my family in danger. And that's, that's personally terrifying. And even to put out this podcast, which is commenting on that and not on anything in particular, not attacking anyone in particular, but just explaining where that fear comes from, even talking about that gives me a little bit of fear as to what could happen and, and who may have a reaction to this. And that's terrifying because as we as a nation try to find answers and find common ground and unite behind things, I think there's people who are just unwilling to talk. And and they're building up this, this facade of masculinity and and guns to discourage that conversation. And I don't I, I, I don't want to say it's because they don't have the information that can, you know, actually argue for those points. It's all based on emotions and feelings and fear. Because those are real things that, you know, perception is reality in that regard. And if these people are convinced of a certain narrative in their hearts, I mean, just like I am of mine, it can be difficult to come to the table. I mean, the, the, the thing burned into my heart is let's listen, let's learn from each other. That's, that's my, my hope and my, my, my dream is that we can start to have a conversation as a country where we put down our guns, be they literal guns or figurative ones, and say, let's actually have a discussion. Let's figure out what do we all agree that America should look like? What do we want the experience of a businessman to be like? Of What do we want the experience of, of somebody who you know works in a factory, somebody who owns a business, somebody who's trying to start their own, you know, somebody who's trying to be an entrepreneur, somebody who's a stay-at-home parent, whatever these things are, what do we want our country to look like and what do the rules need to be so that we can optimize the experience for all these people? And if we don't get there, if we can't come together and say, well, we agree that this should be this way, and if instead, before we can even come to that, we're already saying, well, you want this and I want that, so this is not going to work, so let's not even bother, and hey, here's my big gun we're not going to be able to find those things and then we're not going to be able to have the conversation. I feel like I'm saying the same things over and over in my podcasts and my videos lately. And I just, I just want to be able to have a conversation, but I hate, I hate saying the media dot, dot, dot. I feel like that's a, a lame cop out, but most, most mediums right now are becoming maybe the medium, not, uh, not the media, the, the medium itself, but the way that people react to it, things are becoming so polarized of, I don't believe Fox News because it's you know too right, or people saying, oh, liberal New York Times is blah, 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 and so I don't listen to anything from that. It's, it's become so polarized that we're unable to have the conversations that we need to have. And at a point, we need to say, well, okay, well, let's stop relying so heavily on these these platforms to tell us the things that we want to hear and for somebody who wants to 
see a Confederate flag and say, hell yeah, America, personal freedoms, you know, freedom of speech, right to bear arms. Hell yeah. And for the people who want to say like, oh, Trump flubbed this and said this and like now I'm angry and I just wanted to see that headline that has me angry about Trump now and this is what I wanted. Both of these groups exist. But if if this is what we want is to say for the next X amount of years and for ourselves and our children, we just constantly want to have an argument. We want to see the other side lose. We're not going to get anywhere. And and the the last thing I'll say is what I've said all along is we need to have a conversation. And I'm not mad at Trump supporters, even though I am not a Trump supporter. Even though I think I, I understood more in 2016 electing an unknown, but after, from my perspective, seeing what has and has not been accomplished during these three and a half years, I can say I, I cannot find a way to justify reelecting this individual. And so rather than get angry at somebody who does support reelecting them, I want to understand what do you see in this person beyond the name? If, if all you're saying is, is Trump 2020, I, I get that. And that's what I'm afraid of is, is that conversation. But I want to know what's behind that. And odds are what's behind that is the same thing that's behind me wanting everyone to be happy, wanting everyone to be able to raise their kids safely and, and to have a society that works together to solve issues instead of pulling itself apart. And we're only going to get there if we all agree to swallow hard and approach things with composure and patience. And let's meet in the middle and have a discussion and then figure out where we want to put different policies and where we want to put uh, different approaches to different issues. Be reasonable. Take some time to talk to somebody. And, uh, and if you're a Trump supporter and you find this and you made it somehow 30 minutes into this podcast episode, reach out to me uh, because I'd, I'd love to have a conversation and find out what hasn't made it into my bubble. And I've been trying to expand my bubble, but bubbles are hard things to expand. Um, and again, especially when tiptoeing outside of your bubble can be met with uh, potentially aggression and violence, um, it's easy. It's easy to stay inside your bubble. So if you got any thoughts, love to hear them. Thanks for listening. Have a good day.